Welcome to the Wasting Time podcast. We're up to episode 80. I'm one of your hosts, Chris. I'm here with Nick. What's up, Nick? How are you doing? Good afternoon. Yeah, good, man. Looking forward to a, a long weekend for the Queen's Jubilee. Yep, we have the Queen's Jubilee coming up at the time of this recording. So a nice four-day weekend. Yeah, yeah. Which um, aligns with Slam Dunk Festival as well. I don't know if... Um, it does. It does. Yeah. I don't know if that, yeah, must work in their favour, like organising a festival around a, a Queen's Jubilee four-day weekend. I suppose it does. Well, they're always on the, the bank holiday weekend that we have at the end of May yeah. in the UK every year, so I guess it's their thing. But neither of us are going. <laughs> neither of us are going this year, yeah. Um, yeah, that is what it is for various reasons. If you were going, who would you be checking out? Um, last time I looked, I think... I've always kind of moved around Slam Dunk when I've been before, but this yeah. year I think like the Dicky stage was the only only stage that really got my attention. To be honest with you, some forty-one drop kicks, interrupters, Pennywise, the Vandals, Hot Water Music. So probably would just gravitate around, You'd hang around there, around that stage because yeah, the other stages don't really. Spanish love songs have pulled out. I saw they've um, they pulled out of a full tour, haven't they? Yeah, yeah, they have, which is a shame. I know a lot of my friends were planning to see them. Um, they were playing the Dome in London next week, and then our friends in Cali Massey were joining them for their Europe, like the rest of the European leg, um, which you know was bad news for them, unfortunately. I think it was um, just a COVID case, wasn't it? It was. Mostly. It was. Yeah, COVID, COVID in their camp. I mean, I, yeah. I suppose maybe risk of just spreading it further, but or I mean, was it the you know lead singer? I suppose when you take out a lead singer, it just seems like a big, like a big decision to call it off if it was just one member. You know that potentially yeah, could that's be true. Failed. That's true. Like given all the planning and potentially money that had been spent, like I don't know. Like, well, yeah. What you if it's not the lead singer, what you would do is you would find a replacement, surely, for anyone else in the yeah. band. To, try and make the tour happen yeah so i don't know maybe it is uh what's he called dylan former guest on this show as well like maybe it is him i don't know yeah i mean i don't know enough about tour management you probably know a little bit more than me now these days anyway <laughs> that tour's just started social distortion tour with love breakers and grade two our guest today first show last night right uh yeah so time of recording there's been one show so far in milan from speaking to everyone sounds like it went really well but yeah everyone just loving being on the road like that and playing shows like that and like you know it's a hell of an experience for love breakers and oh so far so good looking forward to hamburg rolling around and you're going to paris the paris show as well now yeah yeah i've just uh got myself a flight to paris i think so that's going to be the first one i'm going to visit on this tour oh it's before hamburg yeah it's just before it's like a midweek thing so you're going to be best friends with mike ness by the time hamburg comes around (laughs) that's the plan (laughs) that's the plan and interestingly on that subject i did hear this afternoon that he is a big kirby enthusiasm fan so there's there's some there's some grounds i can jump off from to talk about okay Just go easy on him, though, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, any other shows kicking about you've been to or due to go to? Uh, I'm off to see Mayday Parade on Friday, who, as you know, big fan of. They're playing the Troxy in East London. 
Um, I don't yeah. think they're on Slam Dunk. It's weird that they're over here and not playing Slam Dunk. I don't think they're on the Slam Dunk lineup anyway. No, I, I don't think they are. play that a lot. That is a bit odd. Yeah. They released a new song recently, didn't they? Did. Yeah. Yeah. Just last week. It was okay. Yeah. It was, it was fine. You know, sort of six, seven out of 10 by their standards, I thought. Uh, Charlotte Sands. Did you check out Charlotte Sands? Our last, our last guest. Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. That was last week. I forgot about that. Yeah. Well, I went to a couple of shows last week. Went to see our friends in Elvana, which I try and do every time they're in, they're in town. So I saw them at the Kentish Town Forum, which was fun. And yeah, we, oh yeah, shout out to her, Charlotte's publicist, Nate, who invited you and me to, to her headline London show. So she was over as, as, as people will know who heard the episode, she was opening for My Chemical Romance and then she had her own show and we were invited along to that. So, so I went with a couple of friends and um, yeah, I thought she was really good. I think, I think I can see her being a, a, a big thing. I did see a, I've got a little show that I've got my eye on that totally kind of came as a bit of a surprise, but Lars Fredrickson's doing like a um, a really small venue up here in Newcastle called The Clooney. It's probably about, yeah. I don't know, like 300 cap venue, if that. Uh, I haven't even looked at tickets yet. Probably all gone, to be honest with you, playing such a, a small gig. But Yeah, well, yeah. hopefully you can make it to that. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. We'll any talk. other any other new releases or anything on your radar? Yeah, there's. We should give a shout out to Rob at Wiretap who has recently put out a um, a tribute to Vagrant Records. So lots of bands who've had Wiretap releases like Lovebreakers, Burnt Tapes, um, Mercy Music, all doing classic songs from the likes of Alkaline Trio or No Motive or the Get Up Kids. So that's worth checking out. Yeah. Yotam, as in useless ID, Yotam's got a new solo album. Gave that a listen. That was pretty cool. Need to spend a bit more time with that, though. Yeah, um, me too. And uh, Neck Deep have a new single that I saw, like, Reddit was loving and stuff. Pro- to be honest, it finally made me delete my Reddit app because I'm sick of going on that on that pop punk uh, Forum just having people loving neck deep. I'm either reading about people loving neck deep or people arguing about Tom DeLong going back to Blink, and I'm bored of it. <laughs> um, I t- but for people are raving about because it it's like, oh, it's old school neck deep. But I thought I thought it was pretty poor. I don't know if you've heard it, but if you haven't, have a listen and let me know what you think. It's called Shut the Fuck Up. I have not. I have not. I did see um, uh, Unwritten Laura. Work on it, or I think they've done it. Work completed a new album due out yeah, July, I, end of July. Yeah, I saw that today. I uh, I did. I dropped um, what's his name, Scott Russo, a message because I reached out to him years ago now, and he was like, "Yeah, I'll come on your show when we've got new music." So I'm like, "Well, you've got new music now." So, yeah. <laughs> did you Did you reply on the the original feed as well? Of course, yeah, because it was <laughs> um, well, it was Facebook Messenger, so I, I right. I, didn't even have a choice on that on that front. There you go. At least he's got it for a point of <laughs> reference that he did. You exactly. know, did it at one yeah. time, even if it was a decade ago. Oh, that'd be good. Yeah, yeah. He's got. Uh, yeah, he's got a lot of stories. I'm sure. Stories yeah, yeah. That would be fun. Yeah, that's kind of it though for new releases. Nice one. Um, okay, mate. Shall we get into the interview? Because we could 
talk about the tour a little bit more, but I feel like I cover this ground a fair bit with with these two boys. So like maybe we should kind of yeah go for it. it now. Looking forward yeah. to hearing it. So as as you can hear from the way we're setting this up, uh, Nick Nick got held up, so he wasn't able to join me for this one. Um, but I spoke to Jack and Sid from the British punk band Grade Two, who are as we mentioned currently on tour with Love Breakers and Social Distortion. Uh, grade Two, really cool band. Jack and Sid were ace. Loved talking to them. Can't wait to meet them out on this tour. Um, if you don't know them, go and check out their last album, but they've got one that they've just recorded with Tim Armstrong that will be coming out, I assume, later to this year. So keep an eye out for that. And here is my chat with them. Yeah, Jack, just just before you, you were joining, um, I was asking Sid about, about his arm. So Sid, um, if it's cool, yeah, do you want to just finish what you were saying? Just uh, yeah, about so how you're doing. Went straight to A&E. So we'd done, we'd done an 11-hour flight. That was like yeah. a delayed by nearly two hours. We did a two-hour drive, then a boat, and then I sat in A&E for nearly four hours for a bloke to tell me that my arm was all right and it was just bruised. So I was okay. like, fuck, really? Like, I've just gone through all that. So anyway, I got got um, woke up the next day, had a missed call because I slept in until like two in the afternoon, basically stayed on American yeah. time. Called this number back and it was a doctor and he was like, oh, I saw you come in for an x-ray last night. You've actually fractured, uh, it's called like your radius, like the head of the radius near yeah. my elbow. And I was, Jack had actually just come round mine um, to pick up a few bits. And I told him, like, no, don't worry, my arm's all good. It'll be healed within a few days. And as soon yeah. as he closed the door, like, I got that call and I was like, fuck, it's fractured. I was like, so he's like, can you come up to the hospital? Yeah. And I, I don't drive. So, and the hospital right. Another town here, but we had rehearsal. I was like, right, I'm gonna have to get through this rehearsal anyway, so I'll go afterwards. So I went there, met this other doctor. He was like, oh, you're gonna have to be put in a cast. I was like, well, that's not really an option. I'm going on tour in nine days. Yeah. So he's like, right, let me refer you to another doctor. Come back tomorrow. So bearing in mind, I've been home for three days, jet lagged as you like, and all of oh, that, yeah. all I've done is slept and been to hospital. <laughs> got to the hospital the next day and the, the right. other bloke was just like you've got to keep moving it and that's the only way to heal and i was like what like so it is fractured but it's gonna stay swollen for another two weeks he reckons but he told me if i can play to play and just to kind okay. of okay so if you can physically pain, do it just just get through it oh, okay i mean it is yeah. pretty we're sore. just crossing I mean, our fingers really aren't we yeah i mean we did like a double set yesterday for rehearsal and by the end of it it was like right it aches but i can do it so yeah. i'm just gonna like get a bucket of ice every night and soak it after each show is basically the plan oh, yeah well i hope that's all right yeah it's fine because i i heard about that because leo who's in the in the love breakers tour party who who i think's a friend of you guys like he was saying yeah I might potentially have to be stepping in. Yeah, exactly. Because we, we were freaking out while we were in the States when, when uh, Sid had done the injury. So we were like, we've got to think of a yeah. backup plan. What if it doesn't heal? What if it's actually fully broken? So luckily, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we thought, like, luckily, Leo was on the tour with Lovebreakers. Um, and yeah. he, he lives just across the water from us. He knows the songs really well. He's a good mate of ours. So it was perfect that he could yeah. have filled in. Uh, but obviously, yeah. it would have been like a bit nervy going on stage with social distortion, like massive sure. shows, first time ever doing a stand-in before. And we we're like, it's not the best case scenario, but we might have to do it. 
And fair play to Leo. He came in clutch. Like he said, I'd love to help you boys. Like he'll, he'll smash out the songs if he has to. And he would have done a yeah. great job. He's a great player. But thank God Sid is healing. We think he'll be all right. And we just got to take yeah. it easy. Um, we just got to yeah, see what happens. <laughs> um, like, well, I suppose that, that, that might be a good point to launch into the reason that you guys were just in the States. Um, you're recording with uh, Mr. Armstrong for the second time, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so we've, we were out there for four weeks. We recorded the first time with him in 2018. Yeah. And during the pandemic, we kind of came up with a, a bit of a crazy plan. We were like, right, we're going to record. So we like booked in a studio session, which was due for, I think it was going to be for October 2020. Okay. So we, we were like, right. Yeah. All our gigs are cancelled. We've kind of fully accepted that at this point. But we had a, a load of songs that we were like, if we can't play a live show, we're going to go record. So this is how it all started. We we had booked flights from London to Mexico. Mm-hmm. We were going to stay in Tijuana for two weeks to quarantine, fly from Tijuana to Vegas, and then take a coach from Vegas to LA to record. Yeah, Whole mad plan. We booked nearly all of it. And it wasn't until we booked it on the fly. We called our drummer, Jacob, and was like, right, you won't believe it. We've gone and booked this old trip. And he was like, yeah. I want to do that. <laughs> it was like, what? Yeah. No, it's like, it just like, he, he agreed like, to it. And then, and then, yeah, he wasn't happy about it afterwards. But to be fair, it was a bonkers plan. Um, yeah, because, yeah, we had to do that. Because at the time, if you were from the UK, you couldn't fly to America unless you've been in a foreign country for more than 14 days. It was yeah. one of those weird pandemic rules. So that was our plan to to like a, get a loophole around that, stay in Mexico for two weeks. Um, but yeah, it ended up all getting cancelled, didn't it? Because the flights got cancelled and it was just Everything. like COVID just got worse. And we were like, you know what? This is a stupid idea anyway. Let's just not do that. Uh, yeah. But yeah, so we ended up getting rescheduled to just recently, finally. Yeah. Um, and my God, it was, yeah, I'm, I'm really glad it did, to be fair, because we kept writing more songs after that. And I think those were the strongest songs of the album that we made after during oh, that wow. period. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, if, it was brilliant. Oh, amazing. Like, and what, like, what kind of directions this album going in? If 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 you're able to um, talk about that at all? Yeah, I guess we can. It's like, yeah, I think for me, it's kind of gone a bit more back to a more classic sound as well as being a bit more modern as well. If that makes sense, okay. like it's got our classic grade two sound, but it was also got in my opinion, sort of a more catchy kind of melodic kind of uh, kind of feel to it, oh, nice. which which we really like personally because we feel like we've kind of done both things quite well. Do you know what I mean? Where it's, it's keeping it true to who we are and it's also kind of expanding and evolving with us as well. You know, when I look at the, the credits on the, the last record you did with Tim, like I can see he has quite a lot of writing credits, not on all the songs, but on quite a few. Is this mm. one... Is this a similar case this time around? Or- yeah, yeah, that was another thing we were actually really happy with this album. It was like before we kind of came into Graveyard Island, like still quite young musicians, kids really still kind of learning how, how yeah. it works, how the recording process works and still evolving as songwriters. And uh, we kind of relied he- quite heavily on Tim to sort of help us in that process. So that's why he ended up yeah. writing on quite a lot of the songs because we didn't have okay. a lot of um, like top level material. Uh, whereas this time... We came in with like 20 of our own songs, all of them. We were just like, yeah, these are sick. Like we've got some banging tunes this time around. And like, we wrote them. We're proud yeah. of that. Like we, we know what we want with this album. We know where it's going. And Tim was, Tim listened through all of these songs with us. And he was like, do you know what guys? I haven't really got much to say. Like you've, you've nailed it. Brilliant. And uh, we, we were like, 
fuck yeah, we have. Do you know what I mean? Like, we've done it. Yeah. And we just felt so good about it. And obviously, we still write songs with Tim. On this record, we wrote four songs in the studio um, with Tim, one with Jesse Michaels and just pissing about. And they they turned out amazing as well. But to be honest, we we prefer the songs. Not necessarily prefer. They're all great. They're all so good in different ways. But we're probably more attached to the ones that we came with. Uh, because, oh, you know, it was in that really weird period of that COVID period and you know, everything yeah. before and after that where these songs really mean a lot to us and we're really sort of proud of the evolution that we've gone with this album. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I feel like we've really kind of hit the mark on this one. So we're feeling really strong about it. Obvious question to ask, but like, um, you know, I can't not. What what What's, I've never met Tim Armstrong before. What's, what's he like on a personal level and what's it like making a record with someone like that? Yeah, you can't, you can't fault the man on a personal level. He's so, okay. he's so welcoming. He's so, he's so kind and he's just such an easy guy to get on with um so we have a lot of respect for him for that like he he always just wants everyone to sort of be relaxed and chilled and just like wants the best for the for the situation for the studio for the environment and obviously creatively he's on another level his mind is like no other you can't you don't know what the fuck he's thinking at all times he's all yeah. you know you always just catch him just like staring into the distance you just think what is he thinking about i have no yeah. idea and they would come out with some crazy ideas but we would have never thought of we thought fuck yeah let's try that it sounds sick um but all in all like we love working with the guy. Like we've really, we really created this really amazing relationship with him that we're very grateful for, and he he's grateful for us as well. It's like a two way street, and I think yeah. we really help each other. So like, yeah, the first time it was all kind of new and a bit exciting. The first time we did Gravel Island, but this time yeah. around it felt a lot more like we know each other, we know what's up now, and it felt a lot more comfortable. And that we hit our stride. Do you know what I mean? I suppose what I also want to do is just if we can take it back to the early days a little bit as well. Like, just I'm just kind of interested in the early days of how grade two formed and and then i guess i'll get to a little bit like how hellcat got involved and stuff are you both like isla white born and raised not born but okay basically yeah i i, okay. I moved here when i was just a baby six months so right okay you moved here when you were what like eight uh, a bit younger i moved here when i was uh six okay yeah me and jack aren't born here but jacob was born here but he's the only okay. one in his family that was actually born on the island <laughs> okay <laughs> Okay, but yeah. So I mean, what what was it like growing up in Isle of Wight? What was like the kind of the music scene? Like, I'm just I'm guessing. I think you guys are a good few years younger than me. So like, what kind? Of, you know, when you were kind of finishing school, what what kind of time period was this, and what sort of music were you listening to? I suppose uh, the band had already started before we left school. We started okay. while we were actually still in high school. Okay. But in terms of like a music scene here, we we never really had like a set of venues by the time we had reached an age of where we could actually go and watch bands a lot of the venues in specifically our town on the island had shut down okay so like the music scene was heavily reliant on basically bands doing the pub circuit yeah and that that's that was kind of it really like even in, until a few years ago there a venue opened in another town called newport here but that was that's really the only one. A lot of bands were still pub circuits, and it's crazy because there is a lot of really talented songwriters. Hard place to break out of, especially when yeah. you don't even have a stage to stand and present yourself on. That you so, only have like the corner of a pub to build that like just stage presence, but just like the general practice of like working everything out. Yeah, I mean that was all we saw, so we jumped straight into that and were playing local pub gigs and thought that was just like how it was going to be it's like oh this is 
this is cool. Like we yeah. can be doing that. And it yeah. wasn't until we got like a really random message. Um, and it was from a guy that was booking shows in Normandy in this little bar. Oh, yeah. and it was like, he was like, oh, I want to bring you over to France. And we were still in high school at this point. So I remember sitting down with our head of year and we were taking our like final exams. It's like, look, we've been offered like, these gigs in France. Um, yeah. when, can when we go fi- kind of thing? When you say final exams, do you mean like, is this GCSE level? Yeah, yeah GCSE. Like, oh, so yeah. you're only like 16. Yeah, yeah. We were, I think we were probably 15 at the time of this. Wow. Okay. And um, if we went over, she was like, the head of year was like, there's no way you're going to go and do this while you're sitting your final GCSEs and I remember sitting in front of her like oh well we've already booked all the travel it was like <laughs> I was kind of more telling than asking right so we went and did it and it was like from that point everything it wasn't until a lot later looking back made the jump like we had played abroad before we had even played London wow it was just okay. a really freaky like not your normal progression kind of thing. So, sorry, was this a, a run of shows in the Normandy area, or was? So we we actually ended up doing one in Normandy, and we become yeah. friends with a band from Paris called Lions Law, who also played the show in Normandy, but they put us on in Paris as well. So it become like a weekender, okay. and yeah, that was I think that was two thousand fourteen. Okay. Okay. And so was that play, were you playing to quite a lot of people in, uh, on these shows? Well, the Paris one was pretty busy. I'd say we probably played to, well, I'd say pretty busy. At that time, it was busy for us, maybe like 150 people. Okay. And then Norm- Normandy was like a really small little like corner bar. I couldn't even tell you how many people you could fit in there. But I remember it being pretty busy. So that led to friendship with that French band and... Did it kind of springboard to anything else in France at that point? Like kind of where did that lead the band after that? Well, they were already signed to a German label that was called Contra Records. Still a very active label. And from that point, I can't remember if it was before or after, but we released, we had recorded, not released uh, an EP with them. Okay. So it was like that connection come through them. And then that led pretty soon after, I think, we had fin- we'd finished school at this point and then we flew out to Germany to play a show and that kind of sparked our introduction to the German scene over there as well. Yeah. Again, like, well, I think we were still, well, we, yeah, we were still around 15 at that point. Wow. Mm. And shout out to the Lions Lord boys because they kind of like took us under their wing. They were like kind of our big brothers in the scene at the time. And like okay. I say, yeah, it did definitely spark more things in the France and Paris area, definitely, with those guys. So at this point, were you kind of like building up a bit of a following in sort of Europe and Germany in particular? And was there anything going on following-wise in the UK or was that... I think we were kind of just still a new band. I think a lot of people were just okay. kind of interested to watch us because of how young we were. Yeah. And it was like we were playing predominantly to just an, a skinhead audience. Right. That was like where we were and that was what we were playing. Um so I think uh, a lot of the bands are older bands. And then you like seeing this band pop up and it's like grade two from the UK, 15 years old. It's like, yeah. that was always like the first sentence of like a Facebook event page. Yeah. So I, I don't know whether it was like a following we were building or if it was like curiosity Like mm. for the first maybe year or two. I think a lot of people were just like, these people are where they but one wears the isle of white and are they actually 15 years old kind of thing oh i see okay so that was like 
That was definitely the, the first few shows, but then I think it snowballed because we were going back. We were flying in and out for a lot of weekend shows, specifically between like 2015 and I would say 2016. Okay. And it, it was just like, it became the norm to us. It was like, right, where are we flying this weekend? So like, we even flew to the Isle of Man to play a show like, in the UK. Okay. okay. So, like, we went here, there and everywhere, really. It was like a pretty crazy time that I think looking back, we are very grateful to have experienced that. Yeah. Did you, so did you get on any actual like full on tours at this point or is it just like flying for the odd show and here and there? Uh, we did a, a German weekend, like, a bit more than a weekend. I think we did about five shows, but I don't think it was until about 2017 until we started like doing a full run of shows. I think that was when it kind it was, we released uh, our first album, Break the Routine, and that was when we actually started touring. Mm -hmm. Before that, it was basically weekend shows or like a string of max four shows. Okay, okay. So like the early, who were some of the early people that you tour with? Uh, Well, Lions Law was probably the main one. We shared the stage with them a lot through the first few years. There was a band Mm -hmm. called Rude Pride from Madrid that were also on contract records and we played okay. with them quite a lot. But aside from those two, I mean, a lot of it was local bands in the area. Okay. I think there wasn't really bands that we were playing like a string of shows with at that point. It was bands in the area, unless it was like built up as like an all day kind of thing. Oh, I see. I see. So like, I mean, before Hellcat came along, did you did you play have the opportunity to play with like many like quote unquote big bands or it was that kind of because like you done you done tours with like the Interrupters and Dropkicks right but was that the, did that all come like after Hellcat were on board? Uh, it kind of came as it was building. I mean, everyone within that circle, I think, knew that we had a record coming. Mm-hmm. But um, we toured with the Interrupters before Graveyard Island was recorded. Right. We finished okay. that tour and flew straight out to the States to do that album when the Interrupters tour finished. Yeah. But prior to that, I think we played with uh, Lars's band, the old firm Casuals. Oh, nice. Yeah. I mean, aside from that and festival appearances, we like didn't necessarily be a direct support into a big band until then really i don't think unless you can think of anything else jack um i think the biggest one of the bigger tours we did before hellcat was the bishop's green one probably that's that was a good tour but that's still oh, in the oi scene yeah yeah that's still they're, they're big in the oi scene obviously and they're they're an amazing band um, but yeah it wasn't until we started um working with lars that yeah we started getting these bigger opportunities we've interrupted Strocket murphy's as well was another big one that that interrupters tour of that was in 2018 around the time that they had i guess, i suppose their last full length i know they've got one coming out soon like they were kind of really having a moment then so that must be an experience did you did you pick up a lot of fans on that tour did you go down well how, how was that that was massive yeah we yeah we got yeah. really lucky to be able to jump on the interrupters hype train before they got yeah. super massive like they were still okay. massive at that point there but they were still growing now they're like you know so big um yeah. And yeah, it was amazing. I feel I feel like we went down really well with those guys, and it's we still see it now. Whenever we go anywhere in the UK, we all 
every time there's always like at least one or two people who say, oh, I was at the Interrupters show. And we're like, oh, okay. So, so many people around the country because every night there's so many people at the shows. I mean, I can't remember how many shows it was. Was it like 10 or so, Sid, I think? Yeah. Maybe I, not even I that. I think it was, oh, yeah, I can't remember. I was going to say 10 as well, but now you said it, mm. I think it might have been less. I don't know. But um, yeah, so that was massive for us. It just shows how, how big those support tours are. You know, it's the same with the drop kicks. Um, yeah. We also get people always say, oh, I saw you at the drop kicks, saw you this. Um, so like, yeah, we're really grateful to those guys to be able to, for bringing us along for that ride because it was amazing. Yeah, social distortion. Let's talk about that for a moment. That's uh, that's pretty exciting. Must be. I mean, obviously, as you know, I can relate to this a little bit with the Lovebreakers boys. But like the fact that I mean, like as a fan, before I started working with Lovebreakers, I had my ticket for the London show like Christmas 2019. I think I got it. So obviously, oh, you guys have had this tour in the works for so long now. Um, yeah, I think it's been three years when it first got announced, wasn't it? It's been cancelled twice. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Um, so, Chris, are you are you not coming along on the tour? Then you you manage remotely, or are you going to be on the tour? Yeah, no, I'm. I'll be managing remotely. So I'm go- I'm coming out to the Hamburg show definitely. Oh, stay. Um, yeah, can't be missing that one, Barclays <laughs> Arena. Right. Yeah, we couldn't believe it when we found out. It was just like I think fifteen thousand capacity that the arena is. Something like that. Yeah. It is. It is, so, although, although, yeah. th- th- I mean, this is this is the weird world, it, it, you know, of being on the social distortion tour. So, like, I got the details, like specific details about that venue, the like just last Friday. And whilst it is a fifth, sorry to disappoint you boys, but whilst it is fifteen thousand for concerts, it's it's just the four thousand, so only a four thousand venue. So sorry about that. Oh, the really? Fact that, so they they the just fact that, like that it's disappointing. Yeah, I think because it's for like you know sports events. That's when it's fifteen thousand. Oh, apparently, that makes a lot of sense. Okay, well, yeah. but, but, that'll calm our nerves a little bit then, at least. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> but the fact the fact no. that you know I feel slightly disappointed that it's just the four thousand. Uh, yeah. What a crazy position it is, you know. But still, that wow. show is going to be amazing. Um, yeah, I might come to Paris. I'm on the fence about that, but yeah. Aside from that, I'm just at the the two London ones as well. So kind of no, doing it remotely. Have you have you guys got um um how's your crew looking for the tour? Yeah, have you got many people going? Yeah, so it's just the it's gonna be four of us. The band, us three, and our good friend Paddy. He's gonna be driving us, okay. doing merch. He's just gonna be doing a bit of everything, taking photos, bits and bobs. Uh, okay, okay, yeah. And yeah, it's gonna be great. we 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 try to keep our crew small. One for obviously saves money, two Yeah. I don't know. It's just like I think we work well together well in small groups. We've done I think the biggest group we did was five. We had a sound okay. guy yeah. and a driver, um, and that was great as well. That we love those boys as well. But I don't know. We we work tightly, and I think that suits us. Do you know what I mean? Hundred percent. Now this tour is gonna be crazy. Like we're we're bringing like tents, airbed, sleeping bags. Like we're just gonna if it comes to it, we're just gonna sleep in the field. Do you know what I mean? Like it's a gruesome <laughs> tour. We're gonna we're gonna be away for like two months in the summer. There's so many lovely yeah. lakes in mainland Europe. We'll find something. Oh, okay, so you haven't you haven't like. Smash through the budget on hotels for all the nights or anything. Nah, like never. <laughs> we would. Oh, okay. The hotel is absolute last resort. We are going to be saving money every way possible. I mean, sleeping in a field isn't the first resort either. We will try find <laughs> yeah. like places to stay, like friends to crash at. I think we we know you know at least a couple people in most cities. And worst case, you can ask around at the show. Like we'll work something out. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I suppose I suppose you've got quite a bit of experience of 
tour in these kind of areas before, which is presumably why you know people in these in a lot of these. Towns. Yeah, that does help. It does yeah. help um, because yeah, I mean, we before it feels like so long ago now. It feels like it's been like four or five years since we toured Europe properly because right. of obviously COVID. But yeah. like before, we were going out there all the time. We knew you know so many people out there. Um, so so yeah, I think we can. I think we can manage it. Yeah. <laughs> big social distortion fans historically yes yeah 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 massive love them love them have you have you seen them live before no i haven't actually i think no. i can't even remember the last time they were in the uk but i know it was shepherd's bush as well but no i've never actually seen them live so it's like a, a moment as a band and as a fan which is yeah. like makes yeah. it just like that extra bit cooler yeah no it's going to be incredible for you i've i've saw them I've seen them twice, Shepherd's Bush, 2009, 2011. 2011, I suppose, would have been the last time they were over here. Um, obviously, it's going back a while, so I'm assuming like Mike Ness still brings it the same way, but they were amazing back mm. then. So, I mean, he's, yeah, he's kind of like a are. timeless rock star, you know? Actually, these guys are so cool. Like, I'm, I'm so excited to see how they work and just to meet them as well. Yeah, it's so cool. It's great. Like I was saying, it's cool how they've got two UK, UK bands supporting them. I think that's yeah. nice. But yeah, no, I was just going to say this. See, this is where you like, or at least I know is that Nick's not here because I'm just kind of like, oh, okay, like, you know, where am I going next? Normally, I'll yeah, just yeah that's all going to take your time, man. It's just like, yeah, we're just chilling. And by the way, he did WhatsApp me before and he wanted to say, he wanted to send his apologies because he's, he was looking forward to, well, meeting you guys virtually. And he, he's going to be yeah. at the Hamburg show as well. And he, he says he's looked forward to meet, meeting you in person because he was, um, because like we wanted to do, because obviously like you guys were on the tour and like we've seen your name around. We knew you were doing the Tim Armstrong record, but like he hadn't actually listened to you guys until a few months ago. He was like, "Oh fuck, I really like them. Let's definitely put them for the podcast." So I think he's going oh, to well, not be here. Yeah, looking forward to meeting him too. Yeah, <laughs> all good. Yeah, we'll, we'll catch up with Hamburg. It'll be sweet. Um, I guess just a bit of a general question. Like, what I'm I'm curious, like what kind of bands you guys were into when when you started the band and then when grade two started you know started growing in the sort of late 2010s and you know what kind of music you you, you guys are all into now um yeah well i usually let sid answer this question first because my answer is basically <laughs> sid sid influenced me massively on what i listen to now and everything because before oh really i met before i met sid i was kind of just some nerdy kid who didn't really know much about music at all do you know what i mean i, I play okay. guitar I love guitar, yeah. but I didn't, my hobbies were like doing really nerdy shit, like playing Minecraft and just lame stuff. I didn't really go out much. I was just a proper dweeb at school. I loved it though. That, that's who I was. Okay, I loved enough. it. I was, yeah, I was yeah. just a nerd. And then I met yeah. Sid and he just started introducing me into like good music. I was like, oh shit, this is quite cool as well. Um, so that from then on, I actually, my first real um, sort of exposure to like a proper music culture was Oi Music. That's when I started. Oh, uh, interesting. Okay. Again, again, yeah. we come, we, Again, we come back to Lion's Law. Um, I just yeah. became obsessed with Lion's Law and this debut album they released, which in my opinion is the best story album of all time. Um, and we just, we would listen to it every day of our lives for about two years, at least I did anyway. Um, and that's what kind of started my um, obsession with like Oi and, and that kind of scene. And then, yeah, so before that, as a kid, I, I mean, I liked with the classic, like, you know, classic rock, ACDC and just maybe some pop punk, some 41 and stuff like that. But like I say, I wasn't really... Yeah that influenced by it because i wasn't i didn't understand music back then um and now ever since i've just been keeping up with modern music i you know i've backtracked and listened to all the classics as well um but now i'm more into what's happening now like the bands happening now like amon sniffers um this new band bad nerves that we're loving right now 
Um, yeah, yeah. And just, lo- lo- you know about love Bandos, don't you? Yeah, yeah. Love, they're quite tight with Love Breakers. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're good mates, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Same with Leo. He's, he's He just did a gig with them yesterday, I think, at House of Vans. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. And so that that's me. Like, I had a kind of a funny journey. But, like, Sid is born, born a punk rocker, lives punk rock. <laughs> he, he knows it a bit more than I do. Yeah, I, I, I grew up with it. I mean... Every day, my, like my dad's a skinhead, and it's like every day he gets home from work, there's music on. But it's <laughs> like, I, I always wanted to like, to like middle school. I always wanted to kind of reject it. I was like, oh, I can't be like that. But when I was really young, I mean, like maybe four or five, there was an Epitaph compilation that came out on DVD, and it was the Punkorama se- uh, series. Yeah, and it was. Um, two rancid videos on it and it was nihilism and salvation and i remember watching those videos as a kid like i mean just being obsessed with it like it's like wow because we we have the um scooter rally on the island right so like all the vespers and lambrettas and everything like that and in one of those videos there's like a scene where they've got all of like these vespers that like fly out in one of the early rancid videos i remember being a kid watching that like happens here but now it's on the tv as well and there's like a video of us having a family christmas dinner and i've drawn punks on my knuckles in a marker <laughs> and i'm singing um, the video uh, the lyrics to time bomb in the complete wrong order i'm singing like white shoes black coat white <laughs> cadillac yeah but like that was the band that like hooked me and then it was when I got back into middle school. Um, I remember when everyone was like setting their ringtones on their phone, and I put mine to uh, "Life Won't Wait" by Rancid. I remember being at the skate Great park, song. and everyone was like, "Whoa, like what's that?" It was just like, "That's uh, Life Won't Wait" by Rancid, and that <laughs> that was like nearly the turning point. And it was when I got into high school. It just was like, like I kind of gave up going to the skate park. I was like this is it. This is like everything. And then like, yeah, I was already listening, like all I was listening to at that point anyway, was like anything from a British subcult from like the mod scene, like through basically. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it never really changed. I mean, me accepting any other genre at this point is a bit like, yeah, I could listen to it, but it's not quite that, is it? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, yeah. I think that yeah. the closest thing I've got into recently is like the, Megan the stallion. <laughs> yeah, that is uh, it's like West Coast. We got Sid into Megan the Stallion. He, he loves her. My new fave. <laughs> nice. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's uh, West Coast oldies is probably the newest thing that I found because that's a new scene that's happening out there that I went and like live, and I was just like, wow, like this is so cool. But I mean, anything else is like pretty much subculture based and that's me <laughs> so i guess you know obviously we've got the social d tour you've done some big tours like who, who's on the bucket list i mean you know presumably some people you might mention there for number like, one is rancid baby big, we've got a tour with rancid i mean if if only you knew someone in rancid and had that <laughs> yeah exactly thank you chris can you pull up lars and tell him that please <laughs> <laughs> so i mean surely yeah. you must have kind of been uh poking tim like just say you know how do we get this organized have you have you kind of like hinted at wanting to do that like we we've, to be fair we didn't bring it up to there. tim too much um yeah because we've we brought up to lars many a time and he's you know 
he's got his plans he's got his ideas so he likes to keep us strung along i think so we we've also just uh signed to leave home bookings um who is francis booking as well yeah 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 Yeah, stormy i saw you announce that recently Um, yeah so Obviously, now we're on the same booking agent as them. We work closely with Tim yeah. and Lars. Obviously, we're sitting there thinking it makes sense. Let's do it. But we'll we'll work it out. That's that's between them and us and Stormy. Like we're not gonna we won't uh, talk too much about that now because who who knows what their plans are? Do you know what I mean? But I'm I'm sure I'm sure it will come. I'm sure it will come whenever the time is right. But yeah, we're very eager, as you can imagine. <laughs> yeah, no, of course. That I guess that that reminds me actually something I was going to ask you earlier. Like what's what what's your life like outside of the band when you're not on tour? Like I suppose because I'm thinking, if you got the call for a rancid tour in a few months or whatever? Like how easy, you know, how flexible? Like how you know much time do you give to the band? Uh, we were all in full time work through the pandemic. We we were all okay. working, but now um, we had to obviously go record for such a long length. Of, like we were away for a sure. month. I mean, yeah, there was no job that was going to let us do that. So I think from yeah this point onwards is back to non-stop touring we're all back out we're all back out of work so we're on this tour and then it's yeah we're kind of still figuring out the end of the year at the moment but um it's going to be pretty busy i mean uh, us taking time off is like for any self-employed person taking a month off of work it's just a huge hit so of course the longer we can stay on the road and the more we can get about yeah the, the better it is for us really Okay, what, what what have you got at this point after Social D? You've got those uh, broiler shows, haven't you? What, what else is? Uh, we're we're literally out straight after that Social D tour. So we finished that, and then we we're back home for about eight or nine days, and then we're out in France for five days. We come back to the UK to play Rebellion in Blackpool. Oh, yes, yeah. Then there's the broiler show, and then at the moment we are trying to work on getting out to the states, but that's Still all in planning. Um, and then, yeah, after that, I mean, it'll be down to the release of the new record. Okay. And it'll be back out on the road. With yeah, to obviously tour the that. The new album. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Have, have you toured the States before? Uh, yeah, we've been out there th- three times touring. Right. And then we were there. To start. We played one show for the what would have been the fourth tour. And then everything was cancelled. Oh, I see. How's that experience been touring the States? So we fin- we finished the tour with the Interrupters. We flew straight to the States the first time around and played only a handful of dates with the old firm casuals and lower class brats. And that was wicked. Like, best introduction we could have had. Like, yeah. each venue was sick. The crowd that turned up were great. And then the following two we did, we went out and just headlined. We were like, let's go play everywhere. I think we went through something like 30 states played basically every night and there was there were nights we were playing to like five people yeah a band that nobody knew and we rocked up on a monday night in like (laughs) nebraska amazing let's do it yeah but it was a mad experience so now it's been so long and we've had the record released on hellcat i'm hoping that we can go back and it's built up a bit and we can start like the next chapter over there really yeah definitely it is pretty grueling touring over there though every day is just an absolute monumental drive yeah it's not like touring the uk like two hours i remember like falling asleep for about yeah. three hours waking up and it's the same bloody road <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's, it really it's nuts yeah it does put it into perspective how small 
everything is over here. That was an eye opener, especially going through Texas. I was just like, wow, like we haven't even like looking at the maps and you've gone through like that, but you've been driving for about twelve hours. It's like holy shit. Yeah, and uh, I, I suppose like in general, like how far you know what's what are your genuine ambitions for this band? Like how you know how big do you want to take it would you love to be like a big mainstream band one day or do you kind of would you know want to be you know big within the scene and like i would say it- mainstream yeah but we, we definitely we definitely want to just we just want to be able to do it so it's sustainable for us to be able to yeah. carry on making music like we don't necessarily want to get to any particular place as long as you know it's financially viable that we can we can don't have to work normal jobs that's obviously everyone's dream isn't it so you don't have to go back to work in night shifts at tesco or working yeah. at some shitty bar in your local town yeah, yeah that's what we were doing um so obviously you know it's a it's a big goal but i think i think we could do it if we put if we keep putting the work in and um, we're definitely on track for it um but yeah i think just being able to being able to tour worldwide and pull you know a half decent crowd every night you no know, that's that's enough to be able to make it sustainable you can you can live off of that if you can if yeah. you can continue to do that um throughout the year do it year in year out and then all of a sudden you know you keep growing so i think that's that's just our goal just to keep going until we can't no more do you know what i mean there's no like yeah. Yeah, there's no course. particular destination we're just going to keep trying until we can't what i mean what you've done in, in you know i guess you said it was sort of 2014 when that thing in normandy happened and stuff like the amount how far you guys have come in that time is pretty amazing in itself and the fact that you know you're kind of you're technically musicians for a living it's you know if you told yourselves that when you were kids i'm sure you would have been amazed so you know you guys are in a really cool position yeah and it's, it's cool to see it's it's really crazy it's just um we're it's all yeah like i said it's all been building up to this moment and now now is kind of like the make or break moment where yeah we we've, we've got to the point but now we really need to just do it if that makes sense like um and that's yeah, I think the next the next year or two are really going to be the deciding factors. As long as we keep putting the graft in, which all of us are very determined to do, I don't think, yeah, you know, I don't think much can go wrong. Really, fingers crossed. Touch wood. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>